Welcome to The Land of Aru, a fan cast of Carcerum the Series, presented by the American Council for the Blind, Sunday edition with Anthony, and supported by Shane Salk Productions. Welcome, welcome, welcome to In the Land of Aru, a Carcerum fan cast brought to you by Sunday edition and Shane Salk Productions. Hey, Shane, how's it going? It's going so well, Anthony. How are you? I'm I'm doing good. You uh you fully rested up after your incredible weekend? Absolutely not. I'm exhausted and can barely feel my legs. <laughs> so what can you share with us about the Comic-Con experience? It was amazing. It was incredible. We did uh, a Carcerum panel on Thursday and we had a lot of people there that was wonderful. Um and then we did a live game show uh on Saturday and it went smooth sailing. We had Maurice LaMarche, uh, Tom Kinney, uh, that's Pinky in the Brain, and SpongeBob. We had Tara Strong, who is Harlequin and Batgirl, uh, Dana Powers, who you all know from Carcerum <laughs> as, as Aura, and Jackie Emerson was in the Hunger Games. And everybody just had a blast. Nice. So, what were the highlights for you? Oh, we had a number of people who are Carcerum fans come up to us, which was very cool. And then uh, getting the game show, you know, we had like a close to 300 people in that room just watching a, us do a live game show that was utterly ridiculous. And that was that was excellent. And we're going to show it uh, this Friday. It'll start. We'll, we'll do a tape of it this Friday and then you can watch it or hear it uh, all over the place on any of our social media places. Yeah, good old crap TV. <laughs> good old crap TV. Excuse me. So last week, the episode where we left off, they had found a trapdoor. They had gone down into a basementy kind of dungeony area, and um, wow, <laughs> I, I'm interested to see what the creature ish thing turns out to be. Yes. So, you ready to run that episode? Let's run it. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description. Wow, we're back. That um, that was, let me just say, wow, again, not what I was thinking after watching last week's episode. I, I thought we were going to get something big and evil and, and um, creepy, maybe. But um, this was fun and and very, um, I don't know, it, it was sort of Harry Potter meets, you know, the school rocks kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, this is one of my favorite episodes. I love the episodes where we get a little bit more backstory into what's going on. And this one had action and a whole bunch of new characters. And we met Galen, which is awesome. I've been waiting for us to meet him. <laughs> Galen is certainly a fun character to listen to. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm thinking to myself. You know. You know how I feel about Terrace. So who's gonna. Who's gonna end up winning out on that battle of of um, likable slash I want to hang out and have a beer with characters. Yeah. All right. So tell us about tonight's guest. So Mary Weiss is our tonight's guest. You heard her in the the flashback as uh, Mrs. Astor. She, I will let you uh, let her tell you all about her stuff, but she's in Chicago. She comes from a, a huge comedy background, film, TV, 
Uh, she's a regular on crap TV. She was um, so the uh, the hmm, the Brady Bunch did. There was a live show of the Brady Bunch in Chicago. She was the original uh, Alice, and uh, she's very funny and makes fun of Bill. So she's one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome! Welcome to In the Land of Aru. <laughs> Is that it? Can I talk now, Shane? You can. I'm <laughs> going to stop talking and it's all going to no, be you. Okay. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. Welcome. So let me ask you something. When yeah. they came to you with this, and I ask everybody in different ways, but when they came to you with this idea of Carcerum and, and it was going to be this immersive world that was created, what were your first thoughts? Well, I was fascinated. I love the idea. I've always been a, you know, I, I was a huge Tolkien fan growing up. Um, I loved uh, different kinds of sci-fi, as Robert Heinlein, and and all, you know, and then the Harry Potters came along. I mean, just all the different kinds of sort of fantasy, and I loved immersive. I love, give me like a huge long biopic, uh, not a biopic, like a mini series that has like hundreds of episodes, and like I'm hooked. Um, it just sounded fascinating. And also, you know, I've known Bill. Bill and I, you get the backstory. Bill and I actually met when we were 18, 17 or 18 years old. We worked at a, a theme park in the Midwest when we were just out of high school. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, so it's now called uh, Six Flags, but it used to be called uh, Marriott's Great America. So I've known Bill a long time. We've... Uh, We've worked together many times. We actually played. Uh, we played husband and wife a couple times. I don't know if you know that, Shane. Um, uh, I don't, but now I know what I'm going to picture next time I don't want to eat something. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh God, Shane, you went there. But yes, we Bill and I have, uh, but we've known each other a long time, and so you know we've always been in contact. And and so when he had this project, I love supporting anyone who's like any of my peeps who are out there creating new content and doing their thing. I'm you know I've done a lot of projects like either like this or uh, short films or pilots for people because you know we all support each other in trying to create this stuff. And I uh, I was on board from the get go, so. Nice. And a story like this, you know, when it comes to if you're going to play, you know, what I imagine is called the short arc, um, being in one of the two polar ends, you know, there's the, the, the good and evil struggle thing going on. You know, it's got to be interesting to play. You know, I'd want to play both sides at some point if I were an actual actor, but it's, it's got to be great to, to anchor that piece of the story in a character. Oh, absolutely. And um you know, it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of like the television work I've done has been like kind of, you know, very short, instantaneous. And so you there's not a lot of time for uh, like excess. You have to get right to the meat of what is going on there. And and the key to that, of course, is asking Bill and Shane. It's like, what is it we need from Mistress Aster? Like in these, you know, what is this little mini arc, as it were? Um, I will say, though, that I told Bill that, you know, it was very fun to do Mistress Aster, but after I heard the entire series, I was like, why didn't I get to play someone with a crazy accent who got to cackle and stuff? Because that sounded like a lot of fun. <laughs> well, you know, I, I would imagine in my head, I was thinking, you know, the notes on, on the character must have been, you know, an air of regality with, 
you know, with a, a temperate tone, you know, a, almost a monotone tone. Well, absolutely. But also, you know, again, Bill and Shane, they know me. So when they were thinking of different voices, that's sort of in my wheelhouse, you know, as a voice actor and even as a, you know, on camera, I'm, I'm tall. I have a air of authority to me. I, I'm classically trained. So like, it's sort of, it's sort of like right in my wheelhouse to do, you know, queens and high, high sounding characters and, and people who have, you know, some poshness to them. So it was probably very easy, I can ask Shane, but, you know, to think of, you know, what are, you know, who can pop in and do this without having to, you know, it, it, it helps a lot when you don't have to add a lot of stuff into it. If someone actually naturally has that quality of their voice, then um, that's one less thing they're working at. And my voice just sort of carries that. I've always had sort of authority and slightly elevated, you know, which worked well. To jump topics a little bit, you you all um, recorded this during the pandemic and were, weren't working amongst each other. So when you listen to the final product, you know, is it what you thought it would be? And the the tonality, the the interplay between you and um, the evil one—I can't remember her name now at the moment. Um, but you know, when you when you hear the finished product, how well it all comes off. What what impressions do you have knowing? from how you recorded it to what it sounds like now oh it's oh, it it's amazing and i'm that's not i'm not just blowing smoke to shane and bill i really had no idea i mean the the sound landscape that they create it's 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 how like i love getting lost in a book i love books that are very dense and have pro uh -huh. really create the scene for me and i feel like they did this with their soundscape, how, you know, it wasn't a lot of, it, like, I just got lost in the soundscape. It was so rich and so dense. They so created the world to get lost in. So then I hear Mistress Astrid. Now, remember, I did not have the other actress there. I had literally Bill sitting, you know, 12 feet away from me, kind of throwing directions at me. At one point, Bill even came up because he's like, because I'm supposed to have, like, have my throat slit. And he's like, ah, we need a little bit more intensity. And so he basically sort of got behind me and sort of mined it so that I could actually sort of in the moment feel it. Feel it, you know, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Which, of course, I said, did you enjoy that, Bill? Was that, you know. But. Um, <laughs> was it good for you? Yeah, was it good for you? But at the same time, it was, it's, oh, you know what? Anytime I do uh, any kind of a thing like this, whether it's animation, you know, sometimes with animation, I then get to see the world brought, you know, it's like, oh, that's what my character actually looks like and how different and delightful that is. And this was, this was so fun to listen to. Um, and, and also it speaks to uh, Bill's direction because it really did. I mean, it sounded like we were, we were doing it opposite each other. You know, I thought that they just, they did, I mean, like, they just so captured, um, and it's a lot of chaos, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, and, and you can track it, or, or you get lost in it, and that's okay, because that's creating the world of chaos, but you never lose the story, and you don't lose the characters, and that's really something. Yeah, no, and you're speaking to it, because the soundscape pulled me into the point where I wasn't taking notes in my head. I, it, it, my, I was sighted until six years ago. So my head created a world. 
Uh, you know, it was sort of Game of Thrones meets Harry Potter. It was, a, <laughs> you know, a raw, almost, you know, baroness kind of look as far as the landscape is concerned. But the characters were bright and vibrant and almost shimmery in my head. And, and I literally was there for a while. And then I realized, okay, we're coming up on a, you know, a minute or two to the end of this. I got to start thinking what we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> but I will transition again. I've asked most of the voice actors who have come on if they would give us their impression of Bill. So will you give us yours? <laughs> my impression of Bill? Yes. Oh, my God. How did you go? Uh, Mary, Mary, Mary. I mean... Uh, uh, come on now, you know, just, just, yeah, crap TV, you know, you're going to love crap TV, you know, just, it's going to be fun. It'll be a kick, yellow, you know, eh, eh, it'll be great, you know, and it, you know, as long as there's some Fortaleza, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So going backwards now, tell us how you got into the business, you know, how you realized this is something you wanted to do and, and walk us through some of your early triumphs. Well, you know, I um, I actually studied acting. I have a bachelor's and a master's degree, and I, I just, you know, I was I kind of came to it naturally. It's funny. I played um, I played sports in high school in a small town in the Midwest, and <laughs> I've always had this knack for um, voices and for accents. We would do away games, and my friends would go, "Okay, now you're British," and I would pretend to be a British exchange student who'd come to the Midwest so she could play basketball. And I would do an English nice. accent the whole time. Yeah, yes, I'm a point guard, but actually I sometimes like to play sometimes under the, under the hoops a lot. You know, I would do, you know, I would kid around. So I've always had an ear for it, but, I, you know, acting was kind of a natural fit. Um, and then after school, I, I, you know, wandered into, I was in Chicago for a while and I was doing a little bit of everything, but everybody kept saying to me, it's like, you have such a great voice. You should do voiceover. I didn't know anything about voiceover. Other than, you know, you hear commercials and stuff. And so I just kind of slowly kind of started dipping my toe into it and, um, you know, very quickly found out that it was a whole other skill set that I had to learn. And it took me a little while to sort of do that. But, uh, you know, but I had a persistent to it. And I also really just loved it. I love the idea because, again, as an actor, um, you know, I'm five foot nine. I'm very Midwestern looking. I play cops and doctors and lawyers a lot because I walk in the room and I'm authoritative. But when you do voiceover, I, you know, I, I've, I've played kick-ass babes in games. I've, I've played talking horses and toilets. I've been talking trees. I mean, it's so much fun to play without having the constriction of the visual. And that includes everything from, you know, age, gender, you know, uh, age is kind of the biggest thing, but also just, you know, where you're from. It's, it's so much fun. It's just so much fun. And the more I did it, the more I just kind of, you know, I just kind of, as I like to say, I sort of rode the horse the direction it was going, and it was going into voiceover. <laughs> and, yeah, I was thinking as you were talking that it, it's got to be amazing you can go, you know, as actors will say in, in interviews and, and, you know, outreach to their fans, it's amazing. I can play a doctor one day and be an adventure pilot another day, but there are restrictions. You know, you, you can't play unless you're in animation. Um, you can't play certain characters, but when you go into voiceover, you can be the fairy princess one day. And like you said, a talking tree another day. Absolutely. What is, 
what are some of your favorite, some of the favorite characters you've done or projects? Well, my, my number one, one of my number one favorites is, um, uh, there's a show on HBO called Crashbox that, um, that's been around for like two decades. And it's all these, it's for kids. And it's all these little like two minute episodes where they teach them certain things. And I played this character by the name of Doris Smarmy and it's distraction news. It's Doris Smarmy with distraction news. And Dora teaches little lessons for kids, but there's all these things going on on the screen. And she's like, don't be distracted. And I, she was so fun to do. But what I love most is she came from, I had had the chance to uh, actually talk to Hank Azaria, which, you know, not only oh, is yeah. he a mensch and a great guy, but come on, you know. And he said that, like, some of his favorite voice, some of his, a lot of his voices come from his bad impersonations of celebrities. And I was, when I was auditioning for Dora, I just... I was doing, that character is based on an old Lucille Ball show, uh, uh, and it's Gail Gordon. Do either of you gentlemen know who Gail Gordon is? He's the, he, he played Lucy's boss in the, in the next, in the, he played Lucy's boss, and he literally would talk to her, he'd go, well, Mrs. Carmichael. That's yes. Right? Yeah, he had the yeah. blackish, smarmy hair. Now I know. Yes, and he had the little mustache. Yeah. And so Doris Marmy is a version of him. It's like, well, children, today on Distraction News, we're talking about dinosaurs. And I just, it delighted me. And it was one of the most outrageous things I had taken a chance on. But I think because I enjoyed it so much and I fully committed, they loved it. And I, I Dora was one of my favorite characters, um, without a doubt. Um, and I actually, I also really enjoyed doing video games. I did, I, um, oh, I can't believe I'm going to forget the name of, there was one where I literally played like Carrie Ann Moss, uh, you know, from Matrix, where I was her voice. Um, nice. Yeah, exactly. But so I did a lot of, of uh, sessions. But this is again, this is where I, I sort of geek out on my own like sort of voice career, which is so I do all this stuff where I'm like this kind of kick ass babe. There's a little sexy to it, but there's also don't mess with me. And at the end of the session, they said, we really hate to ask. But we have this one character, we, it's like 12 lines. And I went, yeah, okay. And they're like, she's an old Russian grandma. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, okay. I said, okay, let me, give me a second. And so I, I'm like, you know, I, like, let me find my Russian accent. Like, let me find Russian, like, how old do you want her to be? Is this, is this, is this what you're looking for? Something like this, maybe. And, and they, you know, we so we like sort of found it. Um, and uh, I just, it was so fun to go from playing kick-ass, you know, babe to then, you know, old Russian grandma, you know, the old, old lady who hates things to say to people. So. That, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, yeah. So that's where, you know, that's where you just, you're like, I'm getting paid for this. So I would be kicked or slapped upside the back of my head by some of our listeners if I don't ask, tell us about Shameless. Shameless. Oh, my stars. Yeah. So I had the great pleasure of uh, working with it was during COVID, which was very interesting because we I, you know, I had to tape my audition from home and there was no callback necessarily. I, I play uh, I play the ER doctor that tells his family that Bill uh, Bill Macy his character has alcoholic dementia and um, 
uh, everybody, the whole family is there. They're all in the waiting room. And, uh, and then I come out with Bill. And what that meant was I spent pretty much the entire day in a small room with Bill Macy. And he just couldn't have been better. I, I said, it's actually the last on-camera job that I did because I, uh, like I said, I left, uh, I left L.A. about four months ago. I haven't really been uh, doing any acting at the moment, taking a break. But I said to a friend of mine, if the last job I ever do is spending a day with Bill Macy, not only talking theater, because I, you know, I started in Chicago, so did he. So we were talking Chicago theater. He was there just a little before I was. He started, you know, he would tell bad jokes. And after about three or four of those, I had to throw some of my own in. Uh, we, we talked houses. We talked, you know, he just was, you know, you're, I've been on a lot of different sets and, you know, I, I understand people have a lot of pressure when they're the leads of a show and a lot of things on them, but Almost without exception, if if the main actors come from a theater background, they don't. Most of them don't tend to take themselves like that seriously. They Over like seriously, they, yeah. Yeah, they know how to include everybody. In fact, he even said, which was really lovely, toward the end of the uh, the end of, of shooting, because they're like again, we had we had the huge family first, and then we come out and. So the, they did my coverage at the end, which for those of you who don't know what coverage is, that's, you know, they shot all these different angles. And then the last thing they did is they shot over everybody's shoulders at me and Bill or uh, yeah, me and Bill uh, and doing tight close-ups of our stuff. And, um, and the director came out and she was saying, she, she threw a note at me real quick. She goes, you're getting a little bit sentimental. And, and she goes, and what I loved about your audition was, you know, you'd had it with him because this isn't your first go around with this idiot, you know, that kind of thing. And um, I said, okay, cool, got it. And I had a lot of dialogue. I have a lot of stuff. It's very technical. And, you know, so Bill and I, we go back into this little room to get set up and wait for, you know, wait for our cue and everything. And all of a sudden, Bill Macy grabs my shoulders, like with a jolt and goes, don't be nervous. <laughs> like he yells in my ear. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. He's like, ah, you'll be great. You know, and it's like, I just loved that because he just got it. He even said that. He's like, you know, you guys have a tough, we have a tough job when you come in for a day into a set where they're all friends and family. He just got it. He really had a respect for, you know, every actor out there who's still plugging away at it, whether, you know, whether it's one day as a doctor or, you know, whatever, he just, he just got it. And so as an actor, as someone who's been doing it for so long, um, it was just sort of lovely in that uh, it just was a very reaffirming thing of, of uh, you know, just sort of why I've done it, why I've always loved to do it. Um, yeah, and just, it was, and, and it was fun. It was fun. I mean, come on. He also played ukulele. He, he played the ukulele for me and sang to me. Come on. Nice. <laughs> right? Yeah. He has a great reputation, and I would imagine he'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Uh, absolutely. He, I, I, yes, he was great. And, and he just immerses himself into the character and whatever character he's playing. Um, I was, I'm a huge James Woods fan myself. And so, you know, I'm kind of vicariously living through you from, for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and I will of course say, his wife is awesome. <laughs> say that again? I said, and of course his wife is also awesome. Yeah, I actually told him uh, well when we during one of our many breaks that I, I actually did um, Desperate Housewives as well. So I met his wife and worked with her as well. <laughs> I did Desperate Housewives like God, probably ten years ago. I mean, how long ago was that show? And I told him I, I and I said I said 
that uh, when I was sitting in the trailer getting my makeup done, you know, everybody was kind of coming and going, and uh, Felicity came in, and she just beelined and came over and introduced herself. She's like, hi, I'm Felicity, who are you? You know, and it's like, and when I told Bill that, he said, yep, she's good people, and I went, yep, she is. And it was <laughs> nice. So what would be your dream project? What would be my dream project? Um... You know, it's really, it's, it's interesting that um, I've been very lucky. I've, I've done a lot of commercials, and uh, most of the commercials I do are comedic, and a lot of them very physical humor, but also, you know, I've got a good, um, I do good dry delivery, but I, God, I would love to, like, I would love to do something like The Office, or you know, I would just love to be, like, the dry um, boss that, you know, I would just love to have a chance to really... Uh, like really uh, play with my comedy chops, which I know are there, and I've just never had a chance to like really show up on set and bring what I got. Um, that would be really, really fun. And actually, I you know even in a podcast, but like a character that, that that can go on a bit more of a journey, and that there's room for me to kind of bring a little bit more improv skills to it and uh, play a little bit more. I haven't really had a chance to play quite as much as I'd like to, and that would be great. Awesome. What do you recognize? for the most. Oh, what am I recognized for the most? Well, believe it or not, one of the first things I ever did in Los Angeles decades ago was uh, Seinfeld. I did a, I was on the episode, uh, Poppy, when, so when Poppy, it's called The Couch. It's when Poppy pees on the couch. Jerry gets a new couch and it gets peed on and yeah. uh, by this older guy and whatever. And I'm on for like, literally snap your fingers. But so many people are like, I saw you, I get so many, to this day even, they're like, I saw you on Seinfeld last night, you know, and I'll go cha-ching, because that means I'm going to get a residual. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, I, that's kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm more known for, uh, you know, sort of some of the commercial stuff that, believe it or not, I'm actually kind of known for some of the commercial stuff. I've, not, I've done some very funny commercials that have been kind of iconic. Um, there's a Dairy Queen commercial I did where I literally ran blindfolded full on into a door. Um, yeah, it was very funny, uh, but, you know, uh, it depends. It depends on what someone's, uh, it depends on what people's gigs are. I was amazed. I went to a party once many years ago and some guy said, wait a minute, are you Maggie Robinson on the dig? And I, I was like, that's a LucasArts, um, video, a game that I did like 20 years ago, but you know, there were only three characters in 90% of the game. It was with Robert Patrick and I couldn't believe this guy recognized my voice. It, that to me was a little like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me back up. Let me back up about three and a half feet before I answer. <laughs> <laughs> What's the strangest thing somebody's, you know, said to you once they recognized you? <laughs> What's the strangest thing? Um, oh, that's a, that's a good question. You know, what comes to mind is not actually something from voiceover. It's actually from, I do a lot of performing, obviously, as an actor and stuff. And I also do a lot of storytelling. And, you know, and they're kind of dramatized, whatever. And uh, I, I did a story... Um, Shane's ears may start to bleed right now. Um, 
I did a story about how uh, I just sort of happened to date a guy that was into bondage and submission. And I kind of do this story about like, you know, wow, I didn't see that coming, you know. And so I do this very interesting kind of fun, but also, you know, kind of titillating story about how we dated for a little while. But ultimately, I'm like, yeah, that's not my thing. But it was very eye-opening and stuff. And I, I had a guy come up to me uh, later. He's like, oh, oh, we need to talk. And I went, oh, no, we don't. He goes, no, 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 really, we need to talk. And he kept, he just kept insisting that we need to talk. And he kept trying to tell me, you know, more things that, that he would be into. And I'm like, no, no, really, we don't, we don't, we don't need to talk. You didn't listen to the ending of my story, which was, I decided it wasn't for me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> so bringing it back to Carcerum, you've yes. you've heard the entire season. If you could, if you could have the shot at playing any character this season, you know this season that we're listening to now, what would it be? And if Shane were to write a character for you for season two, what would you want that character to be like? Oh my goodness! Well, I, I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I, Elizabeth, I love Elizabeth. Elizabeth is awesome. Right. You know, yeah. um, you know, so I, I sometimes I'm like, you know, I love what she's doing, but there's, you know, I'm like, Oh, that could have been fun. But then again, I also love, like, it'd be fun to play a really, it'd be fun to play an evil, an evil character. Uh, it, like, um, Ooh, I know like, um, Oh, Neil Flynn, like, like, like a like somebody like a competitor yes to neil flynn okay um, a competing for um uh, yes to Vorloff. because i love what i love about what neil does is that there's a control and like a you know so there's i like you know i love the kind of control and and uh coldness to it but that there's just there's always this hint of threat but it'd be fun and i just it also just would be fun to have a character who loves to mess with people <laughs> 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 I I see he's got a deadpan hiss. Yes. You can hear the undercurrent even though it's it's a deadpan delivery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I I I love deadpan and what you can really do with it. Because I love the stillness of it without, you know Yeah. One of the big mistakes people make is is, you know, gilding the lily as we say just you know just chewing up the scenery and therefore it gets a bit muddied it's like nope if you're really specific that's what i would tell i've taught voiceover and i i when i talk to students or even just actors when they have to really jump into an audition it's like be specific make a choice and make it really specific so people can really see where you're coming from don't like don't throw a bunch of different colors on because that'll just get confusing um so yeah i love that that's that's awesome. So, and that's a great segue because, you know, part of our conversations have been, are, you know, getting into the business, what it's like behind the scenes, because there's a lot of folks in our community who would like to go into voiceover work and audio production and audio engineering. So when, you know, back in the day when auditions were, you know, were in person, did you have a couple of different takes on it? Or, you know, did you just commit to whatever the lines were and whatever the first thought was, is what you went with? Well, it depended on what the medium was, you know, um, you know, something like Carcerum or or something that was scripted. I would definitely, you know, I would 
very much read the notes. I'm very good at script analysis, and then I would sort of do a, a take on it. And I often would, would really like to see if I could add a little twist to it of something, just a little something, but always something that was rooted in what I thought the character was. Um, you know, animation-wise, you know, just uh, adding an element of sort of fun to it. But again, something that was specific, that made it sort of pop. Um, you know, if it was commercial, I did a lot of commercial stuff because I've definitely, I've got what, what, um, what in the business they call a signature voice, which means I've done a lot of campaigns where I can be very identifiable as the voice of something. Um, and a lot of times there I will, uh, I'll go in for the audition and it took a little while to kind of find this. I'd say anybody who's getting started, get as much time on the microphone as you can, you know, like do workout groups, like go play with other folks to, to read so that you really get used to being comfortable with making those quick choices. Cause you know, when I go into, at the time I've been with William Morris, they, uh, or with Vox where I am now, you know, when we were going in, you were only going to get maybe two takes. And so you got to kind of nail that first one. And I would often really look for what is, you know, what is this product? What is it, you know, what is their, what is their campaign? What is the tone that really works and also really works for me in my voice? And then if I, and then I'd have a second one, which would, I almost always was something was like, now how can I add something that is a little fun? If I can find something that will make me, that amuses me, I can't tell you how many times I've booked jobs because it's the second take where I've done something where it's like, I know what they want is kind of this. And I'll give them that. They can hear that. But then I want to give them something that's a little bit, you know, almost always it was, you know, let's do something that's like maybe a little dry. Maybe they haven't thought about a little snark or something, you know, and how many times that it's, that's actually worked in my favor. Um, yeah, it's 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 made you stand out. Yeah, but but standing out always coming still from a place of of being smart and it being organic. Uh, it's a like, choice too. Yeah. Yeah, you a don't stand out by. Oh, sorry. Please go ahead. No, a choice. You know, a choice still to what they're looking for, just a, a another layer or element of it. Exactly. I, I can't. How many times I you know in teaching folks, it's like um, you know let's do three in a row of something and let's give it and show me like a little bit of range and how often that range isn't nearly as much as you think and it's like because you need to be more specific you know you can't just be like oh this one's happy and then this one's bubbly and then this one it's like nope it's like it's got to be really specific i even sometimes think of particular people or you know or uh friends or family i like sort of channel that energy that i can quickly tap into um, or people I'm talking to with commercials. It's like, who are you talking to? That's a very common technique about who are you talking to? And um, I don't know if Bill teaches this at all, but uh, for me, if I'm teaching, it's like, don't just talk to a generic person. If you're supposed to be talking to a kid, don't just talk to a kid. Talk to a kid who's going to bring out the performance that you like or the performance that you need, right? right. Talk, talk to the person that is going to actually... If I have to do, I remember, um, I obviously, a lot of, you know, those selling things for, you know, Nordstrom's or Macy's and they're, and they're always like, you know, they've got these great sales, but it's hard to make that kind of thing not sound salesy. So I would always start with like thinking of talking to my sister going, oh my God, Sin, you are going to love this. And that would be like the energy in the moment that would sort of feed me into that first moment. That's where the specificity can come. Nice. 
right? That's a really great tip. Yeah. If you mind, would you mind giving us one more? Any clever or interesting ways to learn lines, especially if you're first starting out? To learn lines? Uh, I mean, like obviously in voiceover, we don't have to. We can read scripts, right? Um, so do you want something about like how you actually learn or, or more about how you... Like if you if you're going for a commercial and they give you you know they give you what they want to say how do you how do you commit that to your head and then how do you make you know the make the choice that you're making come out? Uh, well, like I said, I if it's a let's say it's a commercial and um, you know I will when you're in the world when you're doing commercials you're no longer in the world of, of voiceover and acting you are now in the world of advertising and you have to think like advertising to some extent so i you know if i'm doing something for like geico geico we all know geico commercials there's a certain vibe to it there's a certain energy and approach they tend to be very dry they tend to be funny flat all these kinds of things so i immediately sort of uh, that's in my that's kind of in my uh i know that already um and then i you know I have to say, I have to admit, I have a slightly photographic memory, so I've often been able to learn lines very quickly. But the main thing to do is don't get caught, too often actors get caught up in how they're going to say lines, and it's like, it's really important to look at what you're saying, make sure what is it you're communicating, what is it you're saying. You know, don't get caught up in how you're going to say it as much as like really knowing uh, really looking at what you're saying to someone or what it is they're trying to get across. That way, okay. if you kind of go up on lines or something like that, you know kind of what the gist of what it is that they want. You know, if you're trying to like talk to your husband about the fact that, honey, honey, you don't want to drive that car. You, you know how much you hate that car. You know, so if you don't remember those lines exactly, you know that that's what the gist of it is. And a lot of times- and, and you can, Yeah flub your way back to where you remember. Yeah, and, and the other trick, and I've, I've done this uh, a lot in, um, you know, for any kind of audition, when I get my, if I get a script, and it's a little different now because so much more stuff is like online, but boy, my pa I loved paper scripts because then I would write little notes in the margins so that when I had to look down at my script, like say even for Shameless for the audition, you know, I could write a little note that like literally like before a, Let's say before, there's a line that I had in Shameless where, um, boy, talk about Bill Macy, you know, may I tell another little Bill Macy thing for a second? Sure. Uh, just because this is so, you know, so Bill and I are back, back, you know, we're before having to shoot, he's like chatting and he's bright and everything. And then we go out doing the scene and not two minutes later, I turn to him and he is gone. He is Frank. It's it was it was such a master class in what like he is bleary eyed and he is just gone. It's just it was so freaking fabulous when that happened. But there's a line where like it, it's obvious to the, that the family doesn't know that um, he has actually been previously diagnosed with alcoholic dementia. And there's a moment when I go, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I thought he would have told you by now. And I literally wrote in the in the in the margins when I was auditioning for it, I wrote, really, Frank? Really? With exclamation points. <laughs> nice. And so Do that it. was, so that, so that, like, so that even though all I was do was giving him a look and then I had to say another line, that's what 
was my, that was what my thought was right before I said it. It was like, really, Frank? And now I have to be a doctor and tell the family, yeah, he was here last week. You know what I mean? So those kinds of little tricks that put you immediately into it and give you a very specific moment that, that, that gets you into the energy before whatever it is you have to say, you know, does this making sense? Yeah, it's it's absolutely been great. And I thank you very much. I think, you know, we, we've had a lot of different layers. We've talked about improv. We've talked about, you know, being in the moment and committing to, you know, whatever your voice is, not trying to make up a voice for what you think they're looking for. But this is this is like very specific choice based conversation. So I think our, our listeners are going to really enjoy it. Having said that, Shane, is there anything you want to ask or or rap about before we ask um before i ask our final questions well i thought it was funny because i didn't know that you because i only i know mary mostly from comedy like most of the stuff that i experience mary is your comedy so yeah i thought it was funny that i that you said you didn't it's not something that you do a lot so i don't know what that means i well that's i i sort of didn't finish that thought earlier is that um I've done like hundreds of commercials, almost all of them comedic, but almost all of the television I've done has been dramatic. Huh. Doctors, I went through a phase for a while where I, seriously, like six shows in a row where I like was like, where my child was either being kidnapped or dying. I don't know. I was apparently a bad mother. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of it, most of my stuff is dramatic. Now, of course, I like to tell myself it's because... I was so funny in the auditions. They knew that I would um, outshine their stars, but of course, I, yeah. Um, is it different? <laughs> I mean, is it partly like different casting directors see you different ways or something? It is actually. It it very much is. It was um, it was sort of the bane of my existence for a while that um, I realized I didn't think that at first because, of course, you know, you 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 come into the business being like I can do everything look at me and I remember once uh, uh, being told by a casting director by actually a friend somebody who had worked with this casting director that she only saw me as as a comedian and stand-up she didn't see me coming in to do this is for commercials but coming in to do commercials where it was more dramatic and it's like well she can see a bunch of TV stuff I've done that's dramatic. Why wouldn't that work commercially? It's like, no, she's a comedian. She's a stand-up. It's like, I've never done stand-up a day in my life. Where does she get that? So, yes, they definitely got it in their heads that you were a certain thing, and they didn't realize. Yeah, actually, actually, another guy that I had done a number of shows with, and um, I came in to do something that was a little bit more comedic, and he, he did. He went, wow, you're really funny. And I went, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I won a I won an LA Weekly award for comedy and things. So you know, uh, yeah, it's all you got to do is ask. Yeah, it's the nature of the beast with what we do. Well, I think you're funny. Well, thanks. Funny looking. Hey, yo. <laughs> well, listen. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you online and if there are any, you know, any specific card projects you want to point them towards, sell yourself. 
and have fun with it. <laughs> oh, you're so darling. You know, it's interesting that, you know, that this is happening now. It's like, sell yourself. And I'm kind of on a little bit of a hiatus with moving to Chicago, which, you know, I was in L.A. for 30 years and had a great run and loved it. But, you know, my family's back here and I was just kind of wanting to change. And I'm, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a break. Um, actually just spoke to my voice agents today about, they're like, you know, take all the time you need. So I'm taking a little bit of a break. But right before I left L.A., I did record... Um, a second season of another podcast uh, called Strange Air uh, that I did the first season, had a lot of fun with, and then I got to do the second season for them. And Patrick Fabian is actually uh, one of the stars of it. And uh, it's really good. Very different than Carcerum. Um, but that was a lot of fun. I also did uh, Solar, uh, which that was Thank You Shane. That was sort of through Shane. Yeah. And, um, and the possibility... Uh, it was a character that was kind of at the end of the season, and uh, Jenny Curtis said that uh, it was very possible. I think the character will be back for possibly the second season or something. But um, right. it's always a mystery. But Solar is a great show. Yeah, but uh, Strange Air and Solar. I mean, those were they're really fun, and they're just kind of coming out. And um, you know, I just did a couple of games. I did uh, Final Fantasy Origin, which was kind of wild. Uh, because I had to listen to the Japanese actress do her take, and I had to match the timings of how she read the lines, but I had to do them in English. Oh, that's got to be concentration at its finest. That was wild. And now I got to tell you, and even the, the, the booth director, I did two sessions with them for that. Um, and he even said, I, I told him, I said, I, luckily I have a mu little bit of a music background. I've, I've sung and I've, you know, I know music and stuff. He goes, that almost always helps in these instances. And I'm like, it did, because I can hear the musicality of it. But yeah, but um, yeah, some games there. But I, um, I'm embarrassed to say I'm not a huge social media presence, you know. Oh, no. But um, but if you, you know, if you if you go to the social media of crap TV, you'll find out when she's on those shows. There you go. I, can I just say crap t doing the game show was like such a joy, especially during COVID. It was just so much fun. Not to mention it's like it's people I know, but also just the silliness of it. It was it was a joy. I've, I'm enjoying doing it and I look forward to doing more of it unless, you know, too many fancy people get in there. And no. We love you, Mary. That is awesome. We we're not doing. I'm we're, hoping we're, for an invite one day too. <laughs> yeah, we're playing um, the Comic Con show this this Friday. Yay! So we'll we'll. It's sort of a live to tape thing we're doing, but you'll be yeah. Back. I can't You're one of our favorites. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back next week with another episode of In the Land of Aru and Shane. Hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Bye. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description or search Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is a recording of a live show presented by the American Council for the Blind and Sunday Edition with Anthony. If you would like to be part of the live show, please follow at Carcerum the Series on social media or... Join the ACB mailing list by sending an email to community at acb.org. Also, be sure to check out the podcast Sunday Edition with Anthony on your favorite podcasting platform. 
For more information about Carcerum, go to carcerumtheseries.com.